Thank you all for tuning in to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry Podcast, brought to you by Raisin Grace Studios. Big shout out to Two Pilots Distillery sponsoring us this month, as well as Red Circle for making me some dollars. Uh, don't forget, our artist of the week is Miss Kristen Kelly. We did a podcast with her on Sunday. Go listen to her. She is awesome. Speaking of awesome. Red Circle has a promotion, or this thing they do, is a cross-promotion between shows. I got to looking at who I could do a show with. And this uh, this savage, this beast, Miss Gabrielle Stone, I read her bio. I'm going to read it to y'all, then I'm going to give her the floor. Uh, here it goes. She does the, uh, the FML Talk podcast, and it's this is her bio. Y'all are finna fall in love with her right off the bat. When the rug was vigorously uh, pulled out from under her, when her husband's affair came to light, Gabrielle Stone found herself falling into the arms of another man. After a second failed attempt at love, a massive heartbreak, and yet another rug being yanked from under her feet, she decided instead of landing flat on her ass, she'd make a career out of it. Embracing, uh, embarking on a wild, soul-searching, solo adventure to Europe, she took her heartbreak and turned it into a best-selling book. Gabrielle Stone, the author of Eat, Pray, Hashtag, Fuck My Life, uh, dishes on all love, heartbreak, divorce, cheating, and getting the uh, fuck over it. After, uh, book, after the book, fans demanded more tea from the FML podcast was born. So the FML podcast was born. I am a horrible reader. I'm dyslexic. And uh, also, I just really suck at fucking reading. But um, I, I read your bio the other day, and I was like, she's got a story, dude. Like, there, there's no way that she doesn't have a good story. So introduce yourself. Uh, tell about your podcast, where they can find it and all that good stuff, your social media links, and uh, we'll go from there, Miss Gabrielle. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, dude. It's uh, it's great to be here. And I'm going to say right off the bat that I have family in Tennessee. And whenever I get around someone with a Southern accent, it starts coming out on me. So <laughs> I'm going to apologize that uh, for that in advance. But um, I'm here. And uh, yeah, if, uh, if you like ridiculous, crazy Netflix style stories, then um, I'm your girl. And that is my life. <laughs> Just so you know, the good Lord intended to everybody to talk with a Southern access is some of y'all didn't end up so lucky as we did. Uh, you know, I, that's one of my biggest gripes in life is that I don't have a cool accent, y you know, London, Southern, a anything that's, you know, the way that people from LA talk is so bland and boring. Um, so I apologize for you guys listening to my voice at the moment <laughs> it's okay right now i'll trade my accent for your weather because it is horrible you know what? over here that's that's fair we we have it's pretty fucking nice out here i can't <laughs> can't lie <laughs> yeah y'all kiss my ass <laughs> all right so let's let's just start from the beginning with this like what unraveled or tell a little bit about your backstory here and uh what got you fired up and got you into this i know it says you were cheated on or whatever um, yeah give us a little info on that let's get messy let's get messy um that's my fucking specialty so i was married for almost two years and i found out that my husband was having an affair with a 19 year old for six months um and like the depth of it was just insane. The stuff that I found, it was literally like an episode of CSI that I was living. I mean, second phone, 
um, taking her on these wild vacations when I didn't know when he was supposed to be at work. Just like really crazy stuff was was happening um, under my nose. And when all of this came to light and and I found everything, which I detail in the book, um, there was like not even a question in my mind. I was like, I'm getting a fucking divorce. Um, so he was out of town for two weeks when I found this out. And I didn't want to give him any inkling that I had found all of this out because I wanted to get ahead of it and file for divorce and make sure that I was the one that was able to do that. And so I, I stayed real quiet and waited for him to come home. I had a process server um, waiting for him when he when he returned and, you know, handed him the divorce papers and was like, look, dude, you know, this is I know everything. How did um, you catch him? Uh, I caught him in the most ridiculous way. Um, you know, we had been having problems for a while, but we had been in therapy. I was working my ass off. I could not figure out why things were so bad and not getting better. Um, and one day we were in our bedroom and I was doing laundry and I went over to my dresser um, to put all the laundry away and opened up his sock drawer and his phone was in there. And I picked it up and went, why is your phone in your sock drawer? And literally as I picked it up, it lit up with a contact name of the girl with a heart emoji in oh. the contact. Right? Like, at least leave the emoji out, bro. Like, what are you thinking? Um, so I won't go too much into detail about how that story played out because it's all in the book. <laughs> but um, but I did end up realizing that that phone that I found in his sock drawer was actually his second phone. It, it was a whole other phone that he had this whole time to talk to this person and God knows who many other people. Um, and he left on this vacation. I was kind of like 95% sure I was going to get a divorce after that because I was like, I don't want to be in a marriage where I can't fucking trust who I'm with. And when I was in our office, uh, his email was open on the computer. He just left it open. Um, and it started dinging, like going off. And I was in there to get something out of the filing cabinet. And I turned around and I looked at the computer and it kept dinging, like these emails kept coming in. So I go over and I look at it and it's Uber receipts from where he's supposed to be in Florida all the way to Miami. And I was like, okay, well, this isn't right. <laughs> um, so I obviously proceeded to then check the trash emails and I found literally every receipt. I mean, hotel receipts, dinner reservations, um, like everything that he had done with this woman was in his trash email. I'm guessing you're going to be like most women. You probably went full FBI on his ass too. How, oh, how, you have no idea. <laughs> what was the depth of your searching that you went through? You know, what's crazy is that like, yes, you know, there's an age old joke that women, you know, go FBI on people's asses when they get fucked with. And that's very true. But he also was like kind of dumb. Like he didn't do that good of a job at hiding it. Um, once I looked in the trash email, I found the main thing I found was a receipt from the Four Seasons and which was like a mile and a half from our house. Oh. And it wasn't the right name on the receipt. So I was like, okay, I got to figure out who he was there with. So I, I call the Four Seasons 
and they pick up and I'm like, hi, Maya, my husband and I came and got a couple's massage and stayed at your, your hotel, um, on this specific date. And he's in the industry. So we book under a fake name most of the time. And I'm trying to do my taxes. Can you tell me what name we booked under? Which makes no fucking sense, Not by the way. Bit. And of course the chick on the other end is like, oh, of course, ma'am, hold on one second. So she goes and proceeds to tell me the two names that, that it was booked under and looked the girl up on social media and what do you know she was in miami oh shit <laughs> you got that girl fired you, i mean you had to if get anyone her fired. if anyone ever read the book from the four seasons they were probably like oh shit <laughs> god um so after you served with the divorce papers and everything you went on a trip right well, no, that that was much later. Oh, so okay, okay. I thought I it left. was like instantaneously. You was like, fuck no, it, I gotta no, get no, out no, of town no. for a while. No, honey, there was a whole other man in between there. So Ooh, let's I, go to that. Let's go to that. I, I leave I leave my husband. Um we, we're getting a divorce. I, I move out of the house. Um a few weeks later, which yes, to everybody that just went, damn, that's fast. Um, yes, it was, but also I had been in a really unhappy, loveless marriage for six months, and I had known about the cheating now for probably a month before I had actually been able to like file for divorce and leave the house. So I leave the house, meet this guy. His name in the book is Javier. We fall madly in love with each other. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, fuck up. Was his I it I know if his name isn't actually Javier, don't give us his real name, but you had to pick the most sexualized name ever, right? Okay, so to be fair, no, I changed everyone's names okay, in the book. Okay. My my ex-husband, I, I used the name that his second phone was booked under and that he booked all of his hotels under. Captain fucking Petty, I love you uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and Javier, um, his real name is very sexualized and Latin, and the only thing comparable to what his real name is was Javier. So that's what we went with. Uh, <laughs> of figure. course I had to pick someone that was, you know, red flag city from the, the jump. <laughs> but that sounds like the person that every woman after she gets cheated on wants to run to is a guy named Javier. Right. And so, you know, we, we had actually known each other years before I even met my husband, but it was always very casual. Like we went dancing twice, made out a little bit, like that was it. Um, so he slides into my DMs per per standard of today's world and was like, oh, my God, where have you been? I was like, oh, dude, you have no idea. So we end up going and hanging out at the beach, um, totally banking on this being like my casual option because I just got a divorce. I was just cheated on. I was like, fuck, yeah, I want to go make out with some hot Latin dude and like get my dance on. Like, of course, that's exactly what I want to do. Um and so we go hang out at the beach and he's like, yeah, let's go dancing this weekend. So we catch up and, you know, we go dancing that weekend. It's not fucking casual. It's the farthest thing from casual. You never catch feelings for the rebound. You don't know that? I, you know, I do now. There you go. Shit. <laughs> Um, so we go dancing and it just goes from zero to 100. I mean, it's like, I want you to come to my friend's wedding with me. We're going to go meet my parents. Like it was really serious, really fast. And from both sides, like it was, it was instantaneous on both ends, which was what was wild. And I'm, I'm not a stupid woman. I would have known very well if I would have been brokenhearted after my divorce, not to just like enter in to, 
a new relationship. But I was so weirdly okay after I left my ex-husband because I knew it was a fucking giant army of snipers that I had just dodged by leaving that marriage. You were probably starving for attention, though. Yeah, dude. I mean, I had been with this, like, with my ex who was just so, ugh. And, like, Javier was the opposite of that. So we connected and, like, all these fucking fireworks went off. So we end up spending the next five days together. And during those five days, he looks at me on, like, day two and goes, so I don't know what to do. I have a trip to Europe planned. And I was like, okay, well, I would never tell you not to go travel. Like, you should go. And he was like, no, I mean, I want you to come with me. And I was like, oh, you're fucking crazy. Like, what? What do you – what? We barely even know each other. What do you mean? Um, And he was really persistent about it. So I finally – I'm like, okay, when are you leaving? And he says September 4th, which would have been my two-year wedding anniversary. And I'm like, "Mm, okay. When are you coming home? And he goes, October 4th, which is my late father's birthday. So I'm at this point, I'm like, okay, universe, I fucking hear you. Fine. I will I will entertain going on this trip. So long story short, we're we fall in love over the span of five days. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna go to Europe with this hot ass Latin man and go have an insanely wild, amazing time. I end up meeting his family. His mother is like, oh my God, you're you're going to be my daughter-in-law. Like all of his friends are like, this is it. We've never seen him like this. Like everyone on both sides of our camps were like, oh my God, this is really wild. And this must be the reason why everything happened in Gabrielle's life the way that it did. So we're like on cloud nine on this fucking high. And then (laughs) 48 hours before we're getting on a plane, he tells me he needs to go by himself. Oh no. Yes. And I was fucking devastated. Like, this man broke my heart like my ex-husband never could have done if he tried. It was so shocking, so last minute. I I was totally heartbroken. Well, you were about to receive what every woman in the history of breakups wanted. Europe vacation with a Javier. Yeah, with a and a Javier who I was like legitimately in love with. Like yeah. it wasn't it wasn't this rebound situation. We were like, you know, I was like, oh, I'm gonna marry this dude. <laughs> oh shit! So when that happened, what was your next fucking move? Uh, so I sat on my bed with a bottle of wine and a pool of tears, <laughs> and realized that I had a decision to make, and that was either staying at home heartbroken or go traveling Europe for a month by myself. And I was like, well, damn sure not going to watch him go gallivant around Europe and have this trip that I thought I was going on. So I guess I'm going to fucking go. <laughs> so you went to Europe by yourself. I did. We actually flew next to each other on the plane all 11 hours. And I say, say, started say my trip again. in London and he went place. on to Rome. Say this one more time because I want to clarify next to each other on the plane. Fuck that. (laughs) We sat next to each other on the plane. (laughs) Yep. And I stayed in London and started my trip there. And he went on to Rome uh, and I ended up doing six countries, 
solo with a backpack. And that's what the book is about. Hence the title, Eat, Pray, Fuck My Life. <laughs> uh, so did he do what most men, when I say most men, what I would have done in that awkward situation where y'all are on the plane together and been like, uh, hey, you want to join the Mile High Club? Or did he have any smart ass <laughs> things to say to you to try to, to make it less awkward? That's amazing. Um, I love that you would have done that, I, first of all. I, I would have. I'm a piece <laughs> um, of shit, though. <laughs> no, so, you know, it was really weird. And I think people get this more when they read the book and, like, I detail how everything was happening um, leading up to that. But, you know, there were obviously reasons. He didn't just wake up one day and decide that he didn't want to go with me anymore. He lost his brother to suicide a year and a half before I had come into his life. And I think he hadn't really dealt with it. Um, he stuffed a lot of that down. And I think when he fell for me, it kind of opened up that floodgate. That being said, I also think that part of him just is a man and fucking panicked to, you know, flat uh, out. Speaking for my whole kind. Uh, Your species. My species that are already fucking morons anyway. Uh, I mean, that's a big step that quick. I mean, right? it, it is. It would, it would scare the shit out of me. I mean, you you have to, you would have to be, I, well, of course, uh, all men are going to say this. I have to say it. I don't know if you're crazy or not. I mean, most women get called crazy at some point in time. Uh, but it had to be worrisome that he didn't know you more and then he was going to take you there. Like, I think that would have freaked me out. Well, crazy was that when when all of this started that first night when we went dancing, he he was the one kind of instigating it. And I was almost like, I'm not going to like this can't be happening this quickly. Right. Like we can't we're not actually feeling this right. And it was really him that was driving that fucking crazy freight train forward. Um, but to answer your question, when we were on the plane, it was actually weirdly okay. Like we had gone from being super, super close and connected and, you know, kissing and all this stuff to just not having like the kissing and the holding hands. But like we still were very connected and like it almost was like we transitioned into friends, but I was fucking dying on the inside. <laughs> uh there's not a chance in hell that me and any of my exes could have sat next to each other on a plane without the fucking air marshal being called. There, right, I, and there, not killing each other? Yeah, there's no way. There's no We would have been fucking or fighting in a heartbeat. I mean, yeah. There, there well, was no other choice. I would have chosen to be doing the, the latter, but, you know. <laughs> it, it happens to us all. So, while you're backpacking and everything across Europe, you just decided that, you know, that this was a short story that needed to be shared or had you wrote before or, you know, what, what came into the process of you wanting to do the book? So I hadn't written before. Um, I mean, I had written, you know, like poetry and a short screenplay, but nothing that made me consider myself a writer uh, by any means. But when I found out I was going on this trip alone two days before getting on a plane, um, I realized that my life over the past three months, because you have to remember this all happened so back to back. So I found out about the cheating in late June, handed him divorce papers in July, met Javier, were together for a month and a half, and then the Europe trip happened. So this whole thing happened in like three and a half months. It was ridiculous. 
to the point where my my friends were calling me going, so we just wanted to know what's happening on this episode of Gabrielle's Netflix story of her life <laughs> because it was it was insane. So my life had become this like twisted, fucked up sitcom. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to write about it. It just kind of clicked for me. So the day before I left on my trip, I bought a leather bound journal and I started the first day I landed in London. I started writing by hand. I wrote three fourths of it on my Europe trip and finished it when I came home. When you got home, what what was your life like when you got back home? It sucked, dude. I mean, I had been on this roller coaster ride throughout Europe with these like insane highs and these unfathomable lows. Um, I didn't want to come home. I was terrified to come home. If my bank account would have allowed me to, I would have kept going, but it was like, no bitch, you need to come home. Um, and I came home and like everything stopped. It was stagnant. Um, and I fell into this really gnarly depression that took me a very long time to find my way out of. It was, it was intense. Well, welcome to the trauma and depression zone because that's a yep. We, that, hit, we that, hit it all. Oh yeah, I promise you. That's the, you're in the right fucking place to trauma bond. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, what got you out of your your funk or whatever? What got you moving in the right direction? So, I actually I write about this in the book, but it's in the epilogue because I didn't figure it out on my trip, so it felt kind of inauthentic to put it in the actual story. But this whole time that I was on this journey, I was like, I need to learn how to love myself. Everybody always says that that's like the key to life. And like, you got to learn to love yourself before you can love someone else. And loving yourself is the most important thing. And I'm like, okay, motherfuckers, I hear you. But like, how do I do that? Can you give me instructions? And nobody could tell me a clear way to do that. So I was searching for that the whole time on this trip. I found pieces of it you know, for sure on my journey. But when I came home and I fell into that depression, it became like a fight or flight mode almost. And I sat in my bed one day and was like, okay, I don't want to get out of bed. All I want to do is sit here and eat shitty food and binge watch shows um, and not move. And I was like, what used to make me feel good? Because even the things that used to make me feel good right now doesn't seem like it would make me feel good, but what used to make me feel good? And I sat down and I wrote a list. And for me, it was like going to the gym, eating well, dancing, meditating, um, creating. And I wrote down that list and I put it on my wall. And I was like, okay, if I do one thing off this list every day, then I will have earned what, you know, whatever else I want to do. I'll have earned sitting in my bed and, you know, being sad and wallowing in my shit. And then it became, okay, if I can do two things off of that list. And then by the time I got to three and was consistently doing things, I didn't need the stuff I was trying to earn. And it was making me feel better. And I call it the self-love cocktail because obviously I have to equate it to some type of alcoholic beverage. And it's really as simple as when you realize that loving yourself simply means giving your soul the things that it loves and that it may, it, it's happy about, that's loving yourself. Like when we think about loving a, a partner or a significant other or a mother or a daughter or a friend, when we want to make them feel love and feel happiness, we do things that make them feel love, how they experience love. So when we want to love ourselves, why would we not just do the same thing for us in return? Well, we're taught at a very young age that happiness is marriage and happiness is relationships and stuff like that. But they 
really don't teach us growing up that you have to be able to make yourself happy. I uh, I try my best to work with people that deal with depression and suicide and stuff. like. That. One of the things that I always tell them when I tell my story is I found little hobbies to do along the way when I was getting over my suicide attempt back in 2010 to where if I started feeling a funk come on, I could go do something and it didn't have to depend on anybody else. It was something I could go do by myself. Hell, it could have been coloring back then, but it was something <laughs> I could invest my time into that no one else could let me down. Well, when I started doing that, I started figuring out that I can make myself happy by myself, that it was just a plus when you had someone else that made you happy. And yes. uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's all it is. Like you should be happy alone. And then someone that you're with should be your peace. They should be yeah. the addition to your happiness. And when they start subtracting from that happiness, they got to go. Preach 100%. But that's literally what you just said is the self-love cocktail. Yeah. It's things that you can control that you don't need anybody else to like have any say in. You know, you're capable of giving it to yourself every single day. And it really is life-changing. Like when you can get up and do those things and, and give them to yourself and have some sense of control, you know, it's not this like weird thing where you have to look in the mirror and be like, I love yourself, Gabrielle. I love you. You're so <laughs> awesome. Cause I feel like a fucking psycho whenever I do that. Um, this is something that I could control and actively practice each day. And it totally changed my fucking life around. Well, it completely just like mind blows you when, you get in the car and you realize you're going to do something for yourself today. And you already got a smile on your face. You're happy. You look yourself in the rear view mirror, mirror and you're dolled up and shit. Um, and you know that nobody has to be sitting in that shotgun seat to where you're going to provide your happiness. And when you start realizing that, it's just, it's freeing. It's like a monkey off your back. It's so weight lifted. And it it's just something special about it. I wish more people could realize, I hate you had to go through what you went through. But I wish more people realized what it's like to be happy alone. And then that's when usually the good shit in life starts rolling around to you. It, 100%. It wasn't until I got happy with myself and by myself that I kind of raised my vibrations to then attract the things that I was wanting to attract in my life and bring those things into my life. And, you know, the fact that I was forced to go on this trip solo was a big a big part of that. Like I, since I lost my dad when I was a little girl, um, and then I lost my, my high school sweetheart in a car accident when I was 18, I have a huge fear of abandonment. Like that's been my story. My entire life was if I love someone, they're going to die or be taken away from me. So when I found out I was going on this trip by myself, it was like the universe's clear way of being like, well, Gabrielle, you're about to go face that shit head on finally. And I really did. You know, I really that was the first big step on learning how fucking awesome things can be on my own. Well, it's crazy when you realize what a badass you are. It is. It's such a good place. Is to it be. not a good feeling <laughs> when you're like, you know what? I'm the baddest motherfucker in this room. I went to Europe for a month by myself. What have you done? Yeah, and I was fucking fine, and I thrived, and then I wrote a book about it. Absolutely. <laughs> like, come at me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm a firm believer, and, uh, you know, sometimes we, if, if it didn't rain every once in a while, we wouldn't know how good the sunshine felt. If we didn't lose, we wouldn't know how good winning was. And 100%. Man, you, the worse your struggles are, the better feeling when you have accomplishments. 
And, yeah. And, dude, the fact that you went to Europe and then you just completely just owned everything, you conquered everything after that, that's a true badass. That might be one of the most badass things I ever heard. Oh, wow. Well, coming from you, shit. I've Thank been, you, sir. I, I've been through a lot of shit, <laughs> but I ain't never been to Europe by my damn self. I would be scared to go to Europe by myself as a grown man. Well, dude, I was. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I was on that plane, the only thing I knew about hostels was that there was a movie about them and people get brutally fucking murdered in it. So I was like, what do you mean I'm about to go stay in hostels? Like, what? <laughs> well, I'm sure how you failed at the time, you figured that would have been an improvement anyway. Right? I was like, what more could possibly go wrong at this Fuck point? Fuck it. If I get murdered, I get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> Javier ain't coming over anymore. You know, I got to fucking roll with the punches here. Fucking A. But I, I, I'm... In agreement with you, the the rain has to come for the sunshine, and I am a fucking walking example of everything happens for a reason. I mean, usually you can't see that until you're on the other side of it, but I was in it, and I was like, oh, I, I know where this is going to end up, and I know as bad as it hurts, I know how great it's going to be when I get to that other side, and it it has tenfold. Well, it's usually the tougher the journey, the ten times better the de the, the destination. And like, yeah, you, you got to. I mean, you got to have shitty roads. You got to. Uh, I don't know how your relationship is now that you have, but going through those shitty relationships, if you will, just some things are broken because they're meant to be. They don't fucking work. That's why it's called breaking up. And yep. when people will just let that stuff go and they'll just push it aside and they'll keep moving forward, you eventually find a relationship. Even if uh, I hope the one you have now doesn't crush you, but if it does, that just means that there's something better for you waiting. There, there's no sense in getting hung up on, on, on that. You can't change people's hearts. You can't change their, you know, what they did to you. All you can do is learn from it and move on and be like, you know what? You'll regret this shit one day because I'm going to be fine. You're probably going to yep. end up being the miserable one. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if I wouldn't have, I know if I wouldn't have gone through what I went through with those two men in my life, I wouldn't have been able to learn what it is that I really want and value in a relationship and in a partner. And I wouldn't be in the healthy, happy relationship that I'm in now. Um, and people ask me all the time, like, oh, is he, is this the person you're with? Is he your forever? Is Tay your forever? And I'm always like, you know, yeah, right now, I mean, we we own a fucking house together. Like, this is my person, and, like, we're totally – we love each other, and we're so happy. But exactly what you said, if there's ever a time where the universe brings something that, like, blows my life up again, I have the utmost faith that I'm going to be okay no matter what on the other end. Well, when it comes to relationships and you finally find the person you're supposed to be with, everybody has to remember, everyone is wrong for you besides for one person. Everybody in this world is wrong for you besides for that one person if you believe in truth. I'm a hopeless romantic, so I've never been married or anything like that. Like, I believe that when I get married, it's going to be what my grandparents had. And until I find that, I'm cool with just kind of being a piece of shit. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> but like, in a, like a cute piece of shit, like a playful, right. fun, likes to go dancing, drinking, that kind of piece of shit. Uh, okay. But um, I... I really believe that nobody stands at the altar on their wedding day and they're with the person they're supposed to be with and they are nothing but grateful for everyone who broke their heart. They're not ever thinking they're wishing that was somebody else or what if or what would have happened. They're probably standing there and like, you know what? I'm so glad that dude fucked me over. If it, yeah, because it led them there. Beer. Yeah. 
Yeah. Although I will say you and I have differing opinions on that. I don't think that there is like only one person that can be, you know, your all time greatest love and perfect match. Um, I think that there are so many freaking people in the world that I believe in like soul people as opposed to like a soul mate, like soul people that are meant to come into your lives for different reasons to teach you different experiences but that you can have like really deep and beautiful connections with different people, not at the same time. I'm not talking yeah. like fucking, you know, <laughs> that type of situation. But the only reason I don't agree with that, because if I found a soul person and I'm happy with them or whatever, I want the connection that I have with them to be so powerful that it doesn't matter if another soul person walks up. Like I want to be oblivious to them. And, no, and I, yeah, yeah, I totally get that. But there's situations where you two soul people can be together, and this is like my opinion, but um, can be together, and then one hasn't done the work that they need to do to continue that journey with that person. It doesn't not necessarily have to be an outside force or person that comes up. Um, there's just, you know, reasons why their journey hasn't like gotten there yet to to where they can walk forward with you. Now that I agree with you because. One thing that I get knocked on all the time is I used to make this joke when I worked in radio that uh, the first time an anesthesiologist, an RN, or, or anything like that, a uh, nurse practitioner, any, first time one of them hit on me, I was just getting married. Like, I was over and done with. And everybody's <laughs> like, oh, he's a gold digger. No, I'm, I'm not a gold digger. I want somebody that's established, that has success, that has goals and everything in life. And I've met women that could have been extremely good for me, but they just didn't have a career and they didn't have a mindset like me. And I probably right. should have been more open-minded about it. But I mean, you're you're probably right. You're you're probably right in that aspect to where I could no, have I, I could have turned. I could have been more open to some people, but I didn't want to. My standards are are way too high. But hey, I, I hear that because I'm a very ambitious person as well. And it's like one of the most frustrating things for me is to look at someone and see that they have all this potential and they're just like not doing anything about it. Um, so I'm I'm I feel you on that. Like it's it takes a lot of things and stars aligning to have two people that are ready to be together and like the universal timing is right and all of the things on like their needs list line up with each other. I will tell you right now how it, I, I will know because I'm, I'm the smartest man alive. Uh, <laughs> at least that's what I tell myself. What are your... I'm going to tell you if your relationship with the guy you're with now is going to last or not. If y'all are getting married or whatever. Oh, here we go. I'm putting it on you. I'm putting it on you here. Okay. What does he do for a living and what is his future goals? Um, so he's an actor and an artist and he teaches acting okay. as well. What are your future goals and uh, what are you doing right now besides the podcast, if you're doing anything besides the podcast? Yeah, well, I, I grew up and have been for the last you know 10 plus years an actor, um, but I also direct. So that's definitely directing is for sure in my future. I think acting is too, but it's it's taken a big backseat to being an author now and, you know, this whole kind of world that the book and the podcast has now created. Um, but future wise, I'm working on my second book right now. And my big, big, like long-term goal is to have a kind of, you know, healing, self-love, powerful, you know, take your power back retreat 
for people to come. I want to do it in Thailand in this place that I fell in love with when I traveled there um, and have like a two week um, thing session there for people to come and really like dive into some some fun stuff. Uh, I feel like y'all two are very compatible. I, I've oh, thank God. Because yeah, if you said we weren't. No, I was no, no. just about to pick up and move out tonight. No, what? I mean, <laughs> only if you were going to move to Georgia. That's where the real winners are. <laughs> uh, but no, th- both of you are dream chasers. Both, both, yeah. That's very important. I'm a dream chaser. I live in Georgia. You know how hard it is to find anybody that normalizes what me and you do? Like, oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. It ain't here. It ain't here, but mm-hmm. I, I'm Southern. Uh, I, I have to go to Nashville. I, I do go to Nashville a lot, but right, right. I have to live there. That's the closest place that people have a like mind uh, set is like what we do. It Creativity just isn't around here, and people just don't always understand it. I don't know if you've ever been like called crazy by your friends or people just didn't understand what you were doing or whatever, but here, this is just not normalized. I'm like, one of a kind and it is a pain in the ass today so or whatever. Interesting. That's so interesting. That must be a really weird dynamic for you. Cause I, I mean, I'm born and raised in LA, so everyone's fucking crazy out here. We're all, everyone's here to do what we're trying to do more uh, or less. Yeah. Everyone here gets married at 18 years old. They get divorced at 23. Uh, and <laughs> they're, they all cool with just working a nine to five for 30, 40 years retiring and, and fishing the rest of their life and i mean if it makes them happy I, yeah, but I, it's just not me you know it's, yeah. it's just not me and uh the fact that you and uh the boyfriend now have those same goals that that'll that, i believe that would help a whole hell of a lot yeah and you know i was talking about this on on my podcast the other day because we did an episode every all my listeners were asking me to do an episode about javier and like really go into some detail about that because I haven't talked about it that much since the book came out. And um, on that episode, I was saying to my producer, because she recorded it with me, that Tay, my guy now, like I don't don't think there's many men that could do what he does. I mean, he literally is in a relationship where – my job now is to talk about my exes. I mean, I talk about them five to six days a week, multiple times a day. It's some really personal shit, you know? And it's like, and he came into my life at a really interesting time. You know, people won't meet Tay until book two, but there was some, you know, it wasn't smooth sailings at first. And like, he, he knows Javier in, in real life. And it's, it's, it's messy. So for him to be able to like stand in his power as a man and like, you know, support me and encourage me and all that I do. Um, there's a very select group of people I think would be able to handle that and do that. Yeah. There's not a damn one here. Uh, I, <laughs> I literally, I, I do this thing every once on the pot, every once on a podcast uh, to where people will message in questions or I'll do like a TikTok live or something or whatever, let them ask questions and everything for me to answer. And 90% of them is about my love life or sex life or whatever. It gets weird. People are, are weird. I love these weird people. Wait, what do they ask? Oh I need to God. know. Oh my God. Like, they fucking, they go off the deep end. Like, uh, like how often do I get laid uh, if I do? Uh, what my type is, like what I'm like behind clothes, like completely intimate stuff. Are, are these women asking this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my audience is nothing but women. 
Okay. There's, All right. Well, maybe they're like asking guys, for. There's ten guys out of fifty thousand every week that listen. <laughs> the, the, rest, well, the rest of them's women. Maybe they're asking because you know they want to want to slide into those DMs. They don't ever pull up for me to slide right back into them. Oh, yeah, weird. I know it's weird, right? Most of them want you to fly, and uh, I don't. I'm I'm not a big. I like to travel, but like within six hours is about my my limit. Uh, I'm very comfortable in my zone down here, and most of them don't want to come here. But I also don't feel like I'm looking for extraordinary. I'm not looking for temporary. And mm-hmm. I just feel like most of these women, I'm not a dog. Don't get me wrong. I like sex just as much as the next person. But I'm 33. I've been laid a time or two in my life. You're not going to just make me drive 10 hours because you sent nudes. Like, <laughs> I, I, you're not. You know, send me your credit score. Show me what you do for a living. And oh, we'll talk. my God. It's so funny. I saw this meme the other day that was like dating in your 20s is like, oh, what kind of car do you drive? And, you know, where do you like to go partying? And, you know, how, how many days are you at the gym? And dating in your 30s is like, hey, have you done your emotional trauma work? And what's your credit score? Yeah, <laughs> what, no, what are you, where are your finances at? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Like the dating pool at 33 is weird. And I don't like I'm the one guy that does not like younger women. I do not get along with women that are significantly under uh, younger than me. They actually aggravate the shit out of me. Uh, Interesting. If, if they're like 26 and under, I can't hold a conversation. But like, uh, how, how old are you? 30? I'm 30. I'm 32. Okay, 32. I thought that's what you said. I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> I get confused about mine a lot, maybe even 33, but I feel like 60. Uh, <laughs> I like to be able to carry on a conversation with somebody. Me and you right now going back and forth. This is fun to me now, especially after getting into podcasts and radio and doing interviews and stuff. Having to carry on a conversation with somebody is cool now. To where back in the day, I just wanted to be able to look at you. Like if you were pretty back in the day, it'd be like, right. see ball, hit ball, me got monkey brain. You know, oh like, my God. like me simple. And But now it's like, no, we have to be able to talk. Like I want to be able to turn the radio off ride some back roads, and let's just have a conversation, a couple drinks, and, and chill. And if you're 26 or younger, uh, all you think you have to do is shake your ass now and, like, oh, I'm going to get a winner. No, you're not. And Are you, like, on all the apps out there? I, I deleted the apps a long time ago. That's a whole nother world, man. I, I feel like the apps have totally taken away fucking like romance and people's, you know, will to actually court someone. See, that's like the one of the biggest thrills that I get is still if I take a girl out, I, usually I'm still one of the few men that if I see somebody I'm interested in, I know they're single. I never slide in anybody's inbox that's got a boyfriend or married because I've been cheated on and fucked over before. I don't want to do it to anybody. Yeah. But if you're single, I'll be like, hey, let me take you out for dinner and drinks. I'll still go to your house and pick you up and all this other stuff. I'll do what I feel like you're supposed to as a man. Uh, Here in the South, you're raised a certain way. Uh, A lot of, I guess uh, most women call them fuck boys now. They've kind of ruined that for the rest of us. But uh, like, I still want to do those things. And the moment that you actually connect with somebody on on a date... And, like, you get that first kiss that was unplanned or whatever. That shit is still fucking awesome. I live for passion and chemistry now at 33 to where back when I was 24, 25, 
Uh, all you had to do was have tits and ass, and I was in. Well, I mean, at least you're honest, but I think that's why every woman is like, you know, we got to wait till the guys grow up a little bit because the guys that in their fucking 20s, you know, the one that I married um, are like, yeah, it, it, it's there's there's no real. And of course, there's exceptions before people are like, well, my husband like I know there's exceptions. Um you know, the depth hasn't like fully gotten there yet. We got to wait until they want what you want now, you know? Yeah. Most men, and I still have monkey brain at time. Uh, and this when I say monkey brain, it is the simplistic view of wanting things to see something. And there, there's some men that would see an attractive woman in a relationship and they still hit on them. That's monkey right. brain. There's some right. people that see something that isn't theirs, whether it's a, something they could steal or whatever and say, okay, I see it. I want it. It's monkey brain. Um, and it takes a while to get out of that. Like it, it, we're programmed from birth as men to be conquerors and you know, we want to win at everything and we're supposed to be the best at everything. And even when it comes to relationships, it's the same concept. Like that gets instilled in you and like, it takes a while to break that mold. A lot of people never break it. I just, I've been screwed over so many times. That I was like, you know what? I'm doing this shit different from now on. I'm doing it yeah. my way. And I'm just going to take my time. And if people don't like it, then the hell with them. Do you date? So you date normally older? Uh, My age. You have to be. I don't go. I haven't talked to anybody under 30 in a very long time. Yeah. But I love older women. Oh, God. I love older women. I think for me, my, my ex-husband was. God, when did we get married? I was 27 and he was like almost 26 when we got married. Um, so we were young and not young for for Georgia, I guess, as uh, no, you said. Oh uh, no, we they get married <laughs> at 18 here. Right, right. Um, so I was I was pretty young. Uh, but he was the f one of the only guys I had ever dated that was younger than me. Normally I would date older guys. Then after that, I was like, fuck this and went the opposite way. Javier was, I think, like seven years older than me. And Tay, the guy I'm with now, is 14 years older than me. So I just like was like, nope, we're, we're going to run, make a hard left and run this way. <laughs> well, once people figure out, like, I'm an old soul. And people say that shit all the time, being cliche or whatever. But everything that I want out of life is older like it's it's in it's instilled by me by my grandparents and my parents and just the younger generation they don't understand that shit there's so much mm -hmm. of it social media even though me and you live off of it it has ruined almost every fucking relationship uh yep, i mean I in one way or another whether it was just a happily married couple and the guy likes a picture and then she goes ape shit about it or mm -hmm. because opposite happened she shared a post from a guy and he gets jelly you know, yeah. uh, I just, I don't pay that much attention to social media. I hate what it's done to relationships and the younger generation, they thrive off. Of that. They had to post every moment of their love yeah. life on social media. And that blows my mind. And I think social media recognizes that and they perpetuate it. So like, I don't know if you took notice to this, but I did. I think it was a couple months ago where it, Instagram introduced vanish mode. Ah, I which have not seen like, that. It's like if you're DMing someone and you want it to disappear right when it gets sent, you can do that. I'm like, are you guys trying to like let people fuck each other over? What is your deal? 
I got, I guess, social media notoriety or famous off of Snapchat when it was big, when I used to be called the Bearded Bastard before I went into radio. <laughs> and Snapchat was literally invented to cheat. Yeah. Like some asshole I figured out some way. He's like, you know what? We're going to make a whole app to where as soon as you yeah. open the shit, it's gone forever. Okay. Okay. So, dude, the first time that anything suspicious came up with my ex-husband, it was on Snapchat. Figures. And so I'm, like, giving a little bit of the, the inside story away. But, you know, you'll read about more details in it anyways. But so I came home and I just had this fucking gut feeling. Like, something was just off. And my intuition is, like, a freaking ninja. So when it's, like, kicking at me, I listen to it. And I came home and I was like, look, dude, this is probably my own insecurities. But, like, can I just look through your phone? And we were always really open with each other on social media. Like, we would, like you know, scroll through each other's, you know, photos and Instagram stuff when we were hanging out. Um, there was never, I never felt the need to look at his phone in five years. And he was like, well, yeah, sure. I mean, can I sit here while you do it? And I was like, all right. So I start looking through things, um, and not finding anything that, you know, raises any red flags. And then a Snapchat comes in and it's from this girl and I open it. I've never heard of this girl. I open it and it's a picture of her um, with foils in her hair, like at the salon. And I was like, why would she be sending you something like this? And he was like, oh, well, it's probably just one of those things she sends to her whole friend list. And I was like, all right, well, that is a Snapchat thing. So I continue to look at his phone. And then another message comes in from her on Snapchat that says, so how's the marriage going? Oh, and I was no. like, bro. Fuck him. <laughs> Yeah, so fuck that was that like the guy. first little the first little string, but like fucking Snapchat is a devil app, dude. No, it's it just is, stay it off is, of it. it. I, I stay love it. off. Well, <laughs> I love it. Uh, that's where like all these women that add me from social media or whatever. Like I said, well, I made the joke, but it's like a real fucking thing. Is a lot of them think I'm gonna send him a nude and he's gonna fall in love. Now, I, I'm a guy. I mean, when they send stuff, I'm gonna look. I can't help it. I'm too stupid to not. And, like, it's just, I don't, I enjoy Snapchat because of things that me and my dumbass friends send each other. Because we send a lot of inappropriate bullshit back and forth. <laughs> but women just become started becoming exhibitionists when Snapchat came around. And they are the bravest souls on this planet now. But don't they know you can screenshot that? Yeah, but most, I'm not saying most guys don't. I don't know how many don't. If you find a guy who doesn't screenshot your stuff, there's a lot of women that I know that have snapped me before that probably didn't need to be snapping me, uh, that lived in other states or whatever. They clearly was like attention deprived and all this stuff, but they're not ever told they're pretty. I think that's right. what I think the difference between men and women when it comes to cheating. I think women they cheat because they are neglected uh, emotionally, physically. Mentally, they're just not given that bump to where they would have mm -hmm. never wandered if that. Now, of course, you've got just women that are straight up whores and they're going to do whatever. But men, <sighs> men are stupid. Men are stupid. It's easier for us to cheat and it shouldn't be. And it's just because we're simple. We're, we can't help it. Uh, even though it's not an excuse. It's not a good right. excuse. I don't use that excuse. I just don't cheat. 
when I'm with somebody. I just will break up with you and go do what I want if I feel the need to cheat. Well, because that is the adult and appropriate way to handle being in a relationship and wanting to go fuck something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, if it wasn't for the fucking, I'd be okay. I, right. It, it, it ruined everything. It's almost to the point to where uh, it, that thing that y'all have has controlled my life since I was 17 years old. And I really wish at some point in time it just stopped. I wish I'd just lose interest at some point in time because it's made me make every stupid decision I've ever made in my life damn near. Wow. That's so wild that it's so different for women. Well, I can't speak for all women, but I know that like we're not walking around being like, oh, I just need to fuck something really badly right oh, now. <laughs> oh, sweetheart, you've never been to Georgia. They're just <laughs> bad here. Oh, my God. The slut ratio to good women here is horrible. Oh, my God. I'm going to, like, try and pretend that it's okay that we're call dropping the whores and slut names right now. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's it's not towards the good women like you. It's, okay, okay. No, no, no. I don't, I don't mean... They know who they are. They know what they are. There's a lot of people... There's a lot of women now that they, like... Especially since TikToks came around. There's a lot of women that are just okay with acting that way now. Well, the stuff that I see on TikTok is fucking atrocious like yeah. some of it's real like it's some of it's really cringeworthy and embarrassing and yeah. i'm just like i'll look at it and be like why do you think that this is okay and then you know people will chime in with like freedom of expression and like you know girl by all means like be about your body fucking be proud like whatever but like there's some tr there's a line and yeah. the line gets crossed and then some. <laughs> oh, th there's not a line anymore. Like TikTok, right. TikTok has took away that line. There's girls that when you start watching a video, you're like, oh, this is just a sweetheart, wholesome, just down home girl. And then the next thing is like her being into like some Cardi B lyrics or something. That <laughs> That is just like, holy shit, did this just happen? How, how, right. how did this end up on my page? And, uh, well, that's a better question. How did this end up on my page? It's probably because of the stupid shit that I like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I shoot my shot every once in a while. Oh, it, my God. Uh, I just be like, hey, I have a podcast in the top 100 on Apple. How are you doing? Um, <laughs> I, I haven't used that line yet. I'm not You're, saying you don't, I, you don't have to lie to me. No, no, I promise you. If I was going to use it, I'd use it. I just hadn't. I, I honestly, I don't like meeting people off of social media. I think that's my problem is I like yeah. meeting people that have no idea who the hell I am. Yeah. The, the I don't think I've ever met someone completely off of social media. Although <laughs> this is, is in my second book. So it's a book two spoiler, but um, I did, I was watching a movie one night and this guy came on the screen and I was like, oh, he's so hot. Who is that? I've never seen this actor before. And this is such a fucking L.A. story, by the way. Um, but <laughs> I'm sitting on my couch watching this and I'm like, he's so hot. So, of course, I look him up on IMDb. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's, you know, international movie database where you can go and like see what actors are in what film. Find his name. Look him up on Instagram. Um, long story short, two days later, we were on a date. <laughs> Only in LA. I hate good-looking women because that story does not work in reverse. I get, you know, it depends. I get, a, it no, depends. It I get a restraining order if I do that. Oh my god! Straight up, they're like, "Who is this creepy bearded dude that is in my inbox?" <laughs> Go the fuck on, guy. Go back to your farm somewhere. Go play with your goats. 
Like, oh, no, God. that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen anywhere. That's like I've told people time and time again. Every woman, not every, majority of women love the Fifty Shades of Grey series. They do. Mm-hmm. If that dude's not rich and he lives in a trailer park somewhere, completely different narrative to the whole storyline. Yeah. Well, yeah. Big time. Touche. <laughs> Point proven. Well, um, yep. Miss Gabrielle, it, this has been a pleasure. I have enjoyed this. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. and uh, But you are just, you are awesome. I, I know why you're successful in this now. Oh, thanks, dude. I, I appreciate appreciate you reaching out and having me on. Um, when my when my producer reached out to me, she was like, she told me the name of your podcast, and I was like, that has nothing to do with any of the topics I talk about. She's like, no, 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 it's all the shit he got fired for. I was like, oh, this sounds great. Yeah, no, no, no. I am all about just uh, I I'm a huge fan of Joe Rogan. Uh, somehow I'm I'd name drop Joe Rogan in every one of my podcasts. But, well, uh, you're manifesting it. I am. That's what I'm trying. It's, 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 hopefully, it'll come to fruition one day. <laughs> but, uh, no, he does something with comedians that I absolutely love. And it's even comedians that are less known. He has them on his show to help build them up if he thinks that they're good. Um, me and your show, I don't even know how many downloads you get. You don't know how many I get uh, or anything like that. But it seems like we're kind of right here in the same ballpark together. And... I just feel like everybody working together in a market to where you don't have to compete. Like there, there's no reason for me and you to be competitors. Why not make friends with people that you can do good content with to where on a week that maybe you need a show and you don't have nothing to do, uh, or don't have really anything to talk about, you know, you can ask me on or vice versa. And it, it's just where like, I would rather see people work together for a common goal of everyone succeeding instead of just like a couple people being at the top of the damn list and the rest of us being left out in the cold. 100%. I totally agree. And I think it's great when you can find people that you have a fun banter interaction with like you and I do. Um, And I'm so excited to bring you on FML talk because I know my listeners are going to get a fucking kick out of you. Um, And I love that everyone listening now is, you know, high to the 10 men, but like, I'm here for the fucking women. Uh, Come on over and hang out with me. (laughs) y'all. They are going to love you. That's like what I said, messy at the beginning, the women on my podcast strive off of messy. They want to hear every piece of dirt about your life, and they are going to eat you up. Um, God, I love it. I, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, this episode's going to drop Monday. Um, is there anything else that like uh, you want to share with folks on mine besides where they can find you on social media and all that good st- stuff? Because I really want them going to download your podcast and give you a listen. Like I'm giving you my my seal of approval here. You're a badass. Yay. The big, the big bearded thumbs up. I love it. Um, yeah. And I think on FML talk, we're going to air the episode that you and I do for my show the following week. Um, so it'll be a fun little, you know, they can listen to this one and then come over and listen to the one that we do on there, but I'm at Gabrielle stone on Instagram and all those platforms. I think TikTok. I have an underscore or a dash in my name. Um, I really have to get that figured out, but, um, if you want to check out the book, Eat, Pray, FML. It's on Amazon exclusively in paperback, audioback, uh, audioback, audiobook, and uh, ebook. And I I narrate the audiobook myself. Um, and the the podcast is FML Talk that that we'll be having 
you on shortly. Line up some good ass questions for me. I want to see. Um, you have no idea. I want to see how many <laughs> women I can piss off. But then, well, and we're, but we're then we're bring them talk- right back around to liking me. Yeah, we're gonna talk about all the messy shit that you've been through, and all the cheating, and all of all the all the things. I can't wait. <laughs> I really hope that you uh, you got more than an hour to spend with me. Then, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Miss Gabrielle. I very much appreciate it. You've been awesome, and uh, thank y'all for listening to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey. Go check out FM Mail. Uh, life of Miss Gabrielle's podcast. Give her a subscribe and download uh, all her episodes. She's a badass, and I can't wait to do a show with her in the next couple weeks. I love y'all. Thank y'all for listening. Catch you next time.